Hey friends, and welcome to Simple Syrup, a podcast by Junction Coffee filled with stories, thoughts, and musings with the intention of sweetening your day. It is the month of February, and along with other things, not excluding killer Arctic blasts from the chilly north, it is also Black History Month. And as such, given our previous conversations about racial inequality, we figured it only be appropriate to continue in that dialogue. Now, if you are like me, maybe you have spent the past few months after the events of this summer with a heightened awareness of racial inequality in our country. Perhaps you have watched a documentary or read a few books or some articles or maybe even had a conversation of somebody of a different race than you. But if you are like me, perhaps you have been left with a burning question. What do I do now? I have struggled the past few months to find a handle that can help me take this general knowledge, this heightened awareness of inequality, both on a personal and systematic level in our country, and put boots on it. Something that pragmatically shapes the way I view and interact with the world, that makes me a part of the turning of the tide against such inequality, but does it in a way that is sustainable and that I don't end up burning out trying to fight the mountains of racial inequality with a toothpick and a bottle cap. Enter my new friend Taylor Doe. What's up? He's actually a friend of a friend. Jordan, who works with me on the bus, has known him for about eight years. And Taylor has spent the past decade of his life living on the east side of Oklahoma City, trying to do just this. Uh, I hear you're a big fan of Whataburger. If you don't know much about downtown Oklahoma City, the east side, as it's called, or the northeast quadrant of the city, is predominantly black, thanks a lot due to redlining. We'll have to go sometime. Taylor, who happens to be white, has made it his mission to become somebody who is a champion of reconciliation between the white and black communities, and has for the past 10 years lived, breathed, and dreamed of bringing these two worlds that are distinctly separated mostly by a highway back together. Well, cool, man. Well, uh, I mean, you and I have, have chatted about this before and, um, you know, I'm sort of at this place where I'm, I'm aware of uh, racial inequality and I've got this, you know, knowledge in my mind, but I'm sort of left in this position of like, what do I do now? What do I do with that information? And how do I translate it into a way that I can begin to like, it can practically shape sort of my everyday life. I know you've kind of talked about this, this concept uh, called and then, which is really cool. And we've had kind of in our previous conversations, but you, man, you've breathed this stuff for a decade. So help me. (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you uh, having me on. I love what you're doing with the podcast and, and stepping into these conversations. And so you, you're you're kind of hitting at like first steps of when I'm aware, or maybe when I'm just kind of unpacking this, what 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 are the steps that I need to take? And as a lot of us, we've, we've seen kind of these book lists that are floating around, or maybe we've been sent one or two YouTube videos uh, mm-hmm. to kind of help us understand. Those are all really important, but I don't think that it is the the proper first step that we should take. Okay. And so I want to just tell you a really quick story about um, how kind of the first step was unlocked for me. And so like you mentioned, I've been on the east side for about a decade. I've got to meet some really incredible people. Uh, one of those is a young man named Damarion. Uh, he started off as a mentee, but has evolved and become more like a nephew uh, to me. He's a brilliant young guy. 
and he's interested in entrepreneurship and business. And so when I would take him to work, we would listen to kind of these business story podcasts. Okay. And one of the ones that one one of the ones that we listen to is uh, how I built this. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah, yeah. They uh, kind of interview people who have been successful about their success stories. And when we drive and kind of listen to these, Demarion started asking me these questions uh, during these different episodes. He'd say, "Tito, how how did he get a job at that graphic design studio before he got you know started that?" Uh, company or Tito, how did she have friends who had enough money to loan her $10,000, you know, just to, huh. to start her business or Tito, how did he get to use that tech lab after it was closed, like go in after hours. And so during yeah. that moment, like during those moments in the, in the car ride with the driving to Kane's chicken uh, to drop him off for work, the first step really became clear to me. And it was, I, I realized that the unequal advantages that people have are hidden in the parts of our story that we don't tell. Mm. And so it, it's just kind of a realization that um, when, when we tell about the American dream and working hard and in these success stories of how we got to where we're at, we actually leave a lot of the details out of that story. And like you said, they typically use that phrase and then each in between each one of those high moments and that's where I think uh, the story really lies is in those and then moments. And so it became really clear that the first step to kind of seeing inequality in America is for us to unpack and begin to tell our full stories. So I don't know if you're up for it, um, but if you want to unpack some of your and thens, uh, typically yeah. when we're, we're on these, I love uh, for people to kind of share some, maybe some things that you've never said publicly uh, before and just kind of, kind of break that down and be a little bit vulnerable today. Yeah, let's do it. I love it. So, um, I guess we'll, I'll, I'll take the reins of the podcast. I'm going to take over your podcast okay. real quick. Okay, go for it. Go for it man. Uh, so there's like all these kind of nuances to getting a start in what you want to do in business. Uh, you know, for me running a tech company, we had some startup investment, uh, from my parents, uh, but what are what are some things that you don't normally tell in your story that were there that helped you kind of get this get the bus off the ground? Yeah. Um, so funding came from like three different places. It came from uh, uh, a Kickstarter campaign, which we did a little bit later on after we bought the bus. But but we were able to to buy the bus. Um, with, uh, with some seed money uh, from people that were just really invested in us from the church community. Um, and then we were able to do sort of all of the rest of the business startups, like the equipment and, and all the other things through, um, through a, a small business loan. But now that you mention it, the, the loan officer um, was uh, a really good friend of, of my wife's family. And they, that bank had financed, um, several other small businesses within my wife's family. Um, and we, you know, obviously we were like, we, we don't want any special favors. We just, we want to do it like, you know, the way anybody else would do it. But the reality is, is like, we sat down for several hours with the loan officer and she like walked us through, like, this is how you think through presenting your financials. This is how you think through like how much of a payment you can afford. This is how mm. you plan for that. Um, and then, and then she was like, so do all of that work and then come back. And so because of the seed money that we had through our church connections, 
um, we were able to purchase the bus. And then because we had the bus, we were able to put that up for collateral um, against the loan. And then, um, and because the loan officer was uh, generous enough to kind of just like baby step us through the whole process, um, we were able to get it, get it approved from, from her board and, uh, and able to, to go about doing that. Nice. And so there, there are other nuances. So now you have this, so now you have this business, um, but you don't start making money day one of, of the right. business. Um, yeah. I, I wish that was the case um, where day one, you can fully support uh, your family and buy a new car and do all those things. What are some of the things behind the scenes that allowed you in those first crucial months of deciding if this thing's going to be successful or if this thing's going to tank that you can identify that you don't really tell that kind of falls in that. And then moment that really helped propel you to the next level. Well, so, so you mentioned, you know, making enough money to, to support your family. I mean, at the time it was just my wife and I, uh, we hadn't had our, our two children yet. And so, um, you know, looking back now, realizing like, I used to just be like, oh yeah, if you have a dream to start a business, go do it. Um, and now recognizing like, oh yeah, there's like two other lives that fully depend on me. It's like, I can't just, I can't feed them fries from Whataburger and call it sustenance. <laughs> I mean, you, you technically can't, no, you can't. I, no, you I don't can. know if I'd feel responsible about <laughs> Right. Yeah, you, you can't do but, that. Um, but, uh, and then our, the loan officer actually was, um, smart enough to say like, Hey, you're going to need money to eat off of. So let's build that into the loan so that you can be making, so you can be drawing, you know, living expenses. And, um, one of our friends, they were in like a small group of ours in church. And she was like, I really love coffee and I really love people. And I really love what you're doing. And I would love to learn how to make coffee and on a professional level. So how about I just come and volunteer for you for like, so like we didn't have, we didn't pay anybody for wow. the first maybe four or five months that we were open. Um, we didn't pay ourselves. We just kind of like sort of bank, bankrolled all of that uh, and started like, you know, working on just kind of setting ourselves up for, for a successful future that way. Yeah. It takes me back to the car ride with the Marion when he asked these questions that inherently when guys like you and I hear you know, people say stuff like that. It just automatically goes to, well, he got a, he probably, he got a job at the graphic design studio because he knew the owner of the graphic design place, or he knew someone there who could get him that job or, or, or even kind of the going into the tech lab to code your app after hours. Uh, it's just like, it, it's relationships. Yeah. Taylor says it's kind of like winning a life story award. If you were to stand in front of a room of people and accept this award, what would your speech be like? Who would you thank? And how would you give recognition to all the people that helped you get there? And what I think that does is when you start telling those stories, you actually affirm uh, people to say, hey, <laughs> this is not just a, a facade. Like, here's actually what's happening. Um, yes, you do have to work hard. Yes, you do need skills. Uh, but at the same time, there's some things happening that we never tell uh, in public. Because I think that there's this threatening element too that says like, well, if I if I tell everyone that like I didn't do it by my own bootstraps, then I feel like I'm a cheater. Pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps, like in and of itself, is impossible. Um, mm-hmm. Even the even the metaphor is an unrealistic thing. Um, 
that's what I like about this so much is that it, it normalizes the reality of like every success story is a story of help and aid and collaboration. I honestly dream of a time where Demarion has the same on-ramps that we do, right? He has like yeah. the, the same relational connection to get that information about how to get a business loan for his company that he wants to start. Or he has people in his corner who can say, man, I'm going to loan you $5,000 to get your nacho company off the ground. You know, it was like what, whatever right. it is. Uh, I think it's so important for us to start unpacking our stories, our and then moments, because I think it puts us in the right posture uh, to say, hey, I was given these opportunities or these doors were opened for me. So I want to open them for someone else. Yeah. And the challenge there is we already do open doors for people. It's typically just people in our networks, right? It's the fraternity brother's dad who works at the law firm who opens up the internship for you, right? right. And we're leaving yeah. we're leaving out a, a section of the population that is going to provide immense value to our city. Like if we just mm -hmm. let more people play, I promise you we would have more art. We'd have stronger businesses. We would have new businesses. We'd have new inventions. We'd have all these things um, if we kind of took this posture of, I call it kind of radical humility and start really opening up those opportunities for, for all people to play. Taylor says that when we begin to live our lives in this place of radical humility, we begin to see the world less through a lens of differences, though it is true, but the lens begins to shift to a lens of opportunity. We begin to understand that we are the beneficiaries of relational opportunities that others might not have. And as such, we can begin to move through our lives more intentionally, building relationships not just for our own benefit, but potentially for the benefit of those outside our own networks. And as we examine our own history, and the history of our country, and the history of people unlike us, Perhaps a way forward is less about rewriting that history and more about making a new future, one where we celebrate the ways that we get help and that we seek to create opportunities of help for those that might not look like us. Because if I know that I wouldn't be where I am today without a laundry list of people helping me get here, I'm that much more likely to want to be on a list for somebody else. And perhaps by more people being on more lists, the world will begin to look more fair for everybody. Taylor, thank you so much for your time. I really, really, really appreciate it. Man, thank you so um, much. This has been fun. This has been a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, is there a way... If someone who is listening that would like to have a uh, TDO exclusive guided <laughs> exercise. Yeah, they can. Uh, we, we just have a basic landing page up on a website called andthenmoments.com. Uh, and they can go there. We actually have, uh, you, can, you can download the PDF of kind of the walkthrough of and, the, and then moments. Um, you'll write your bio at the top and kind of break it down that way. Uh, they can download that for free. And there's some a way to contact uh, me there and have that discussion. I'd love to do it. 
And so, friends, may an honest look at your history shed light on your present. And may that light inspire you to view the world in a whole new lens, that you may make the future days ever more sweet for everyone. I'm so honored to receive this award. Thank you so much. Uh, I first want to thank my mother-in-law that let my wife and I live rent-free for a long period of time. I want to say thank you to Jim Cooper for championing our cause. I want to say thank you to Lauren and Elise Hall for putting us in contact with Shane and Raina Newt for uh, teaching us how to build a food truck. I want to say thank you so much to TJ for showing me how to weld. I want to say thank you to my dad for helping the construction process go well. I want to say thank you to all of my friends and family that put blood, sweat, and tears into tearing out the top seats of the bus out. Thank you so, so, so much. I want to say thank you to Dentcraft Tools for giving us a space and a machine shop to work. Um, who else? I want to say thank you to the gracious people of Oklahoma City that gave us so much grace when we had no idea what we were doing. Uh, thank you to Daniel and Andy Cal for teaching us how to do coffee. All of you that participated in the Kickstarter and all you beautiful people out there for never giving up hope. Thank you.